Welcome back. Welcome into Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I have one eye on the mixer and one eye on the stock market today. My name is Mike Casazza, welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, we dabble in this uh, side trade of ours. Um, you'll forgive me if I'm not fully devoted to the task at hand today, right? <laughs> yeah, day trader Mike is here. Uh, trading in his recruiting badge for day trading badge and, and going to give us some some expert picks. So you're going to be like, what's his name? Uh, Jim Kramer walking around hitting buttons and screaming into the into the microphone telling us what to buy today? Don't have a lot in common with Jim Kramer except mad because I've been really <laughs> mad the last few days. Trying to master this is not anything I'm capable of. But um, with no like DraftKings going on right now, I mean, some, that was like just – delinquent behavior on my part betting on like the kvo and things like that you get that scratch sometimes and and, and you got to itch it and uh for some reason i thought this was a good idea and it's been okay but like trying to act like i know things more than i do but one of them may actually come true today that i told you about i don't want to tell anybody else about it because it'll ruin my momentum um it may actually work out today and i was surprised but so i'm, I'm somewhat diverted but i'm gonna probably put the phone down here we go in the corner we're good so now you have my undivided now so um things to talk about today uh some interesting ones because finally officially an actual plan a schedule that we've already talked about that kind of leaked or been given to reporters to to put out there in some framework and it's almost identical to what had been reported previously that's official now and then the university um actually has a plan i guess you would call it a plan it's more of just like a I don't know, like a, it's like a, it's like a ring the dinner bell and everybody comes. Then all of a sudden you just kind of figure out what to do when they're here. I guess that's probably not sophisticated enough, but <laughs> there is some sort of a plan for the university to sort out their football team and they'll get to the other sports and they come back too. And then, um, I don't know, some, some rankings here that we need to discuss because everybody else is too, but let's discuss, um, getting back to school, getting back to campus. The football oversight committee puts a plan out on Thursday and, very familiar terms that we saw. Um, seems like it's pretty ordinary. And like, I think what we agreed upon before, about as close to normal as you can get, but um, official workout periods for voluntary, for mandatory dates for when you can start practice. And again, um, if all things go well, you're going to have a pretty normal period of time before the first official game. Uh, no surprises here, but that's almost surprising to me because there wasn't any changing at the last minute and everybody probably agreed on it too. So, um, man, you get 40 people in a room who can agree on something like that. That's pretty significant. But then again, they had to do something, and this is probably the best outcome, too. Uh, money talks, Mike. That's how you get 40 people to agree on something, just like that. Um, but I agree. Like It's it's great that they got this plan in place. It's, it's nice that it's kind of going to be uniform across all college football. Obviously, it's not going to be uh, exactly the same because some schools have different you know, in the SEC, guys have already been coming in for the last week and a half or so, or, or at least a few days. Uh, West Virginia is not set to arrive until or start voluntary workouts until the 15th, uh, Monday, or allowed to at that point. But I, I think you, you, you got a story up this morning about West Virginia's process once mm -hmm. they arrive. And... I've given it a quick glance. You did you did the talking. You did the snooping, the, the talking to the officials, getting word, and, and getting the scoop. And I, I, I gave it a quick glance, and I, I see nothing that alarms me, really. Like, nothing that makes me concerned about how they're going about it. Because I, I know last time we spoke, we talked about how they need to do this. They need to quarantine. They need to test. They need to. They also need to be transparent about those tests. And, and according to your story... West Virginia is going to be right. Is that, is that what I'm reading here? All right. I didn't tell you this before we came on the air. Um, uh -oh. It's not, it's not so easy. I don't think that they have an idea exactly how they're going to do that or what they're going to do yet. So there's, there's three models basically that people I talked to have, have noticed and because they're, they're, it's what's going on around the country. Some are not doing anything, no names, no numbers, no cases, nothing like they're doing the testing. They have to, but they're not announcing anything. Some are doing, mm. you know, here are the number of people um, 
and not really saying that they're players or, or, you know, staffers or whatever. And, but they're giving you the information and some are just kind of like, as can, you know, if we don't have any cases, we're not going to come out and say, we don't have any cases. And if we have five cases, we'll come out and say we have five cases. If we have 12, we'll probably say we have 12, but like, so there's a mix of nothing, transparency and a mix. So when I talked to West Virginia, they were kind of like, trying to figure out a sign of what they were going to do, which makes me think that they don't have a policy on this yet, or they haven't figured it out. I'm not sure that that can't be solved by the time they get to campus Monday. It's, it's a couple of phone calls or a couple of zooms and an email and a press release. And you're good to go. If you want to do something like that, I think what they'll do is if, um, if there's something alarming, you have to do something. And if there's good news, you have to do something. I would imagine that if you call or you ask them, they'll give you the information but the wording was kind of particular, you know, they didn't want to commit to doing anything because I don't think that they know yet that they're allowed to do that or they're not allowed to do that. So rather than say, hey, we're going to do it or, you know, we might do it. Those are two different words, will and might. They just kind of said that, like, there's an as needed, we'll make updates to the situation. So that's good. More importantly, everybody gets tested and then they're doing screening and temperature checks before you come in. So the screening is it's not like how do you look and they stare at you, but like where have you been? What you do? You know. If they're not there for a weekend, you know, you work on Monday through Friday for your, you know, permissible number of hours a week, you're gone, maybe Saturday and Sunday. Where'd you go? I went to Blue Hole to go swimming. Whoa, 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 you did what? <laughs> so they might catch you on stuff like that. They'll do temperature checks, and that's everybody. That's that's Neil Brown down to the backup holder, backup place kickers, stuff like that. They're going to make sure that everybody um, is screened and given a temperature check when they come in. And then from there, it's, it's just kind of formulaic about quarantine and treatment. They feel pretty good because of, you know, the hospital is not far away. They have great resources at their disposal. And then, I don't know, the stuff that was cool to me that showed that they were thinking about this was um, we had discussed the weight room. What do you do? Those are those are kind of like Petri dishes, too. So they made the locker room off limits. So nobody's in the locker room changing, hanging around, listening to music, roughhousing, whatever you do in a locker room. That's good. But the weight room can be similar to that, too. And if you're putting... Even if you had like the groups of six to nine people, which is what they're doing, um, if you had three of those groups in at once in a big weight room, you're still bound to be pushing the limit a little bit. But what they did was they took the weight room equipment and they set up three different stations in the concourse area, which is pretty cool to me. Not on the turf. We talked about how miserable it would be to be outside in that turf in the sun in July. But yeah, that's obvious. So obvious that they're not going to do that. They put it in the concourse area that has cover, gives you some shade. If it rains, you know, your can your workout isn't canceled. Weather can be really, you know, hit and miss here in those summer months. I thought that was a good idea. And then just the way that, you know, hey, you're not sharing water, you're not sharing Gatorade, we're not putting your laundry in with his laundry and his laundry and his laundry. You're doing your own laundry. And I'm imagining that's probably one of those fifth quarter pillars now. How to do your own laundry. <laughs> They're taking care of that in the summertime. So uh, all in all, not a lot of holes. And I think the one hole that we're talking about with the the transparency i don't think that's that big of a deal and i think if they have an issue or if they have good news they'll be pretty open about that how many how many local parents do you think are going to be getting loads of laundry over the next few weeks like yeah. for, for players that that are in and around morgantown pittsburgh that kind of stuff like coming to get a couple loads of laundry of sweaty football clothes because the problem the problem for us is the eyeball test. A couple of years ago, I remember seeing Kevin White in his second season. I was like, oh, my God, he looks like he's wearing, like, my clothes, <laughs> right? Yeah. And maybe, like, he, he had a bad rinse cycle and he shrunk everything in the dryer. Maybe all these kids are going to look swole when they come <laughs> back to campus because they shrunk their clothes. You know, they'll pass the eye test, but maybe they didn't pass the laundry test, too. Another one that's cool, too, is, um, is how they're – well, one, they're making sure the kids are fed. They're giving them boxes. There's no training table, but they'll give them a box lunch or a box meal. And that's got stuff you got to eat and some supplements and all that stuff. Similar to what they did in uh, middle of May when they sent out uh, – middle of April, I'm not sure. But they sent out boxes to every student athlete who was going to be back and made sure they had enough proper supplements. So they do that. And also, um, small thing, but, man, if you're working out and it's hot, you're going to go to the water cooler and you're going to get Gatorade, right? Um, or you're going to get that, that water machine that shoots water in your mouth. If you've been to a practice, you've seen this. Like There's this like, like a power washer almost, except it's not that forceful, but someone – walks around and they shoot the water in your helmet and you know you get to cool off have a sip of water it's cool you don't have to worry about it if you got gloves on or anything like that opening a bottle or you know getting your hand wet dipping it into a cooler just someone comes around and gives you water they just shoot it in your face I'm not doing that now you're not going to like a, a cooler and putting your hand in the faucet and then filling up a cup or a bottle or anything like that 
you're going to have your own individual Gatorade or water or something like that too. So uh, no detail really, I think, um, left uncovered there. No, it sounds, I mean, this shouldn't be surprising. This, this staff has been pretty meticulous about just about everything. So no, not shocking that they're going to be on top of things with this. Um, I, I am still glad that I can picture uh, Mike Joseph sitting in his office on a TV or sitting at home on a Zoom call with a webcam, watching the watching the guys work out in the the weight room. But here's here's my question for you, and and I kind of ran into it with the little league with my son. I'm coaching the kids, and we have these rules in place: social distancing, all this stuff, and. Uh, Surprise, you can't keep six-year-olds away from each other at sports. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can do that with football either. How responsible do you think, or, or how much of that responsibility do you think falls on the coaching staff or the other staffers to try to enforce that kind of stuff? Well, here's the thing. I would be scared to death of Mike Joseph if I was a football <laughs> player right now because he's going to whip you into shape. Like He's going to make sure that even if you were on top of everything when you were gone – He's going to make sure that you're on top of everything when you're under his purview right now. But they really can't do anything. So you're really going to – I mean, this this sounds so cliche and almost propaganda at this time, and I apologize if it's trite, but it's all this stuff about player accountability and player responsibility um, and really putting it on them during the pandemic, but crossing your fingers and feeling good because you've done this before. You have these accountability teams. You make sure that people take care of themselves in the winter and in the summer before – they have a whole year of that in their belt before this. So if it works, then you're not going to have as many, you know, side effects, let's say, of, of strenuous workouts right now. I think you probably know where I'm going there. People leaning over into buckets, things like that. So they might be all right. They might take care of stuff like that. But that also goes to, you know, hey, here are the rules. And if you're walking through one of the hallways and someone doesn't have a mask on, you got a mask on, you got to tell that person, hey, put your mask on. It's not cool. I get that. You might look silly. I get that. But that's the CDC guideline. That's the WVU guideline right now, too. So you're going to have to have some police officers, so to speak, inside the weight room workouts and inside the, you know, whenever time there's a, if they're getting around and throwing the football together on their own time voluntarily, if they're just walking through, you know, picking up their lunch or whatever after a workout, if they're on their way out and the next group is on their way in. Man, that's three or four guys you haven't seen in a long, long time. Sure, you're going to want to hang out. You're going to want to, you know, dap, man hug, stuff like that. Man, be really careful. Be really smart about that stuff. Make sure you have masks on. So, again, it's not cool. It's not what you want to do probably, but, like, they're going to have to have some personalities and some people who really make sure that these things are being held um, held up to the, the, the intent that it's designed right now, too. Because, again, football – Workouts can be really tricky right now, and you talk about Radbo and stuff like that. That can be scary stuff if you're not careful. And, you know, the one thing that's not clarified is that the strength and conditioning coaches cannot run the workouts. They can blow the whistle to start it. They can blow the whistle to stop it, and they can be there for safety purposes, but they can't count with 10 reps. They can't hold the bar when you're putting 225 above your head, stuff like that. So um, a lot of that stuff is going to be on the players, and that could be good. It could be bad, but the work you do now is going to be by and large a product of the work you've done previously. Let me test your math skills, Mike. Mm -hmm. Adhering to social distancing guidelines, how many football players can run up and down law school Hill at one time? How many? It's not as, it's not as broad as it was before. I'll tell you that. Yeah. They they put the stairs up and all some other structures. Boy, that's a good question. Um, Do you have the answer? (laughs) I do not, but Uh, I would think six. Yeah. I was going to say somewhere between six and 10. I wasn't sure just how wide you could go, how far over, or somebody's going to be cheating, getting a little less of a slant on the, uh, on the hill, a little less steep, but. They could put cones up, I guess, just to be sure. Right. That'd be interesting. I don't know. I guess that's a question I'll have to ask in the future. <laughs> Another question we had answered, you did some snooping on the internet and you found the actual digital schedule for a virtual meeting which mm-hmm. is kind of like a golden ticket, I think, here. We, we've heard about it, but we haven't really talked about it with people. We've, I mean, we know that Brown likes them so much so that even when you're allowed to have people back in person, I think these virtual visits are going to be more of like a getting to know you. It might be more of like a, a curiosity call in the first stage of an interview, like when you apply for a job before they bring you in for the, the in-office visit. Hey, 
get on Skype, get on Zoom, talk to us for a little bit. Let's get to know you and see if you advance to the second phase. I think it sounds like at the very minimum, this is going to take part of that. And that could be really useful for kids who are far away. It might help West Virginia expand its recruiting circle a little bit or just get more people from close or far to feel better about visiting. That's always important for West Virginia because getting them to visit is probably the hardest part of the recruiting process. And from there, things take care of themselves. So if you could find ways to use virtual visits to get more people on campus, hey, that's great. And what did you find about their plan and their structure? And never mind the feedback, but just like what they have set up for people both now and presumably in the future. Yeah, I actually had a couple questions about it. A couple things I liked, a couple things I, I, not that I didn't like, but I was just curious about. Uh, I love that, you know, you, you kickstart the visit with Neil Brown. You get the head coach right off the bat. That, that's a good way to start off with a first impression. Um, and then you go right into the fifth quarter program. What can you do for me after school? Again, great decision. Uh, so many of these kids nowadays, more so than ever before, are asking, how are you going to help me when football's over? And so to go from Neil Brown, the head coach, right into what you can do after football and how you're going to help them for after football is, I think, extremely smart. Um, I was I, I did find it interesting, and maybe this is great. Maybe this is just the way this one particular visit worked. But finishing with academics, finishing with, with Brittany O'Dell, who is in charge, the academic advisor for the football team, I, I was assuming when I was going through it, once they started with Neil Brown, that they might close like a kind of a coach sandwich, close with your position coach. Uh, but but instead they close with academics. And again, I'm curious if that was just because of this one player, because of the availability of of the staff when they were available, or if they switch it around, you know, do they switch it around? Maybe academics are more important for certain players and others, maybe what happens after football is more important do you, or just the football part is more important. So maybe you do close with position meetings. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious how, I guess my big question would answer all my, this one thing would answer all my questions is how much can you change this? How personalized are these schedules? Do you switch it around? Do you change how long uh, each person talks each you know, about branding and facilities, for instance, or the campus tour or strength and conditioning is sometimes is that strength and conditioning talk with Mike Joseph 10 minutes or is it 30 minutes? Uh, academics, is that 10 minutes or 30 minutes for another kid that might be very interested in a certain program? Um, I don't know. I, I like it. I love the way they set it up. Like I said, the, the start really is great. I think that's the best possible way to start it is with the head coach and right into the fifth quarter program, though. Yeah, I'm. If I know these people, and I'm getting to know them a little bit, I'm pretty sure they're going to drop Aubrey Burks a, a Survey Monkey link, and he's going to have to <laughs> fill in his satisfaction survey on things. And they're going to have about I don't know a hundred of these before long, and they're going to get feedback and tinker from there because they're they're like that. <laughs> I think at the very least they're going to have feedback and figure out what's best. Because what I notice is that seven activities, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven activities, right? Which is a lot. Mm -hmm. And you're probably looking at an hour and 45 minutes. Um, I like you, Chris, but we talk about 50 minutes on Zoom and I'm <laughs> done <laughs> for a <Yeah>. while. <laughs> so, like, that's that's a hard thing to do. And, and I wonder if there's an ideal time, which means what are you cutting? Because, yeah, Brown is 15 minutes. But then that fifth quarter program, there's five pillars. They're giving you a minute per pillar. It's a five-minute talk in the fifth quarter, and that's a pretty important part of what they're selling right now. Um, facilities, 10 minutes. A campus tour, five minutes? Um, that might just be, hey, here's a video. Watch it. Share screen. I get that. She's not walking around the campus. I think that we've talked about this, a prepackaged YouTube video. Um, then you get 25 minutes with uh, Mike Joseph and half an hour with your position coach. That would be Jamal Adai here. So there's some flexibility, I think, to expand stuff. But then you're talking about making it longer. All right, well, what are you taking away from? 25 minutes with Mike Joseph, that's a lot. But that really matters to people. They want to know who their strength coach is and how they're going to get their body bigger and better for ideally what's going to get them prepared for the next level. Position meeting is pretty solid. You're going to have to have a certain amount of time there, too. Cricket Harmon, they can't actually be in the meeting. They can just observe, right? Yeah. And academics is probably going to be like 15 minutes, I would think. Um so I don't know what you would do there. I think that the one thing I saw that was missing that I'd like to see how they are going to incorporate, I'm not saying I want to see them incorporate it, but I'd like to see how they're going to incorporate it, is Burks plays receivers. Safety. Safety. Safety, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what 
what safety could pop on and talk to him for 10 minutes or what person from his town or who played in his high school conference or who's from his state, like what player can they connect? And that's not going to be the same from one person to the other. And for example, here, there might not be anybody. I don't know who's on campus or available, but how do they blend in players? Because that's one thing you can do. You can have players participate in these things now because you're going to have the on a visit anyways. You're going to talk to players in person. Why not virtually? I don't think that's a blind spot here. I just think that they just didn't have a candidate to do that right now. But suppose they do. Where? Where do you put that guy? I don't know. And that's just a hard thing because now you're adding to it or you're subtracting from something that's really important. And um, it's it's certainly an imperfect, imperfect system right now. But I think a lot of it is trying to figure out, you know, let's get through it now. Sure. But let's make sure we got this ironed out and presentable for when we do this in the future as part of our new recruiting tactics. And to your point about the tinkering and, and changing it up, fi- figuring out what works, this is the first one, the first recruit to – he's not the first one to a fi- a virtually official visit. There's been a handful, several, seven, eight, or more. Seven. I, I mean, I'm aware of seven or eight. So this is the first one that's posted this graphic. And you may say, oh, who cares? Maybe kids don't post graphics. Other kids have been posting graphics about their visits but there hasn't been one that's posted a schedule. So I'm curious if, you know, they've gone other ways and decided that this might be the best one so far. Um, ah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. I, I, I'm, I'm guessing here just based off that. Cause again, eight visitors and this is the first one to post the schedule, but like the seventh to post some sort of graphic about that visit. So I don't know, maybe this is the best one. Maybe they've tried other ways before or, or maybe this is just the first time they've actually put together a visit graphic. I don't know yet. It's questions I'd love to ask because there's a lot of questions I'd ask about this for the coaching staff whenever we get a chance. Mm, it's designed for social media, too. You can tell, like, the first thing you see in the tweet in the preview pane is virtual visit schedule. Of course, you're mm-hmm. going to click on that if you see that. Right. So you might be right. I mean, maybe they maybe they had the weather balloon. They were ready to let it go and see what happened there, too. So, so it's not a bad idea there. By the way, circling back, um, you know, Brown kind of challenged you during our Q&A. Oh, he was about to hop off and yeah, he about to hop off and go on a virtual visit with somebody. Do you know who that was? Well, I'm trying to remember which day that was because there were two guys who visited like in back to back days, and it may have been Caden Prather because uh, he was uh, now God. So we talked on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. the third, and Prather committed the next day. Correct? No, it was it was it was a couple days later, but. I try to think because there were several visits right over the next few days that we talked about. Um, Marcus Zimbabwe was right before that. Caden Prather was on that visit, was on a visit like Thursday, I think, maybe, or Friday. Will Fowler was that week. Uh, Ethan Mort was that week. So I'm trying to, I don't know which one was that day, but there, like, again, there were at least three between like that Wednesday and the Saturday. And of course, the, the Saturday was when um, Prather committed. So it's possible he made it up just to get off the line with us too. And Hey, my feelings wouldn't be hurt. It's okay. You've already told me you don't like to talk to me for 50 minutes. Neil Brown doesn't want to talk to me for that long. So I got it. Hint, hint taken. Let's do some more business here and help our bosses out of 24 seven sports. As we mentioned previously and encourage you to check out the social distance series, which is these, um, which is a series of just sit downs and virtual conversations with people who, um, presumably have a lot of free time on their hands and want to talk and turn into a, a pretty extensive library of interviews and trying to add to it. They've they sent out feelers to all their team sites and all their people like you and I, Chris, you and me, Chris, and Hey, who could we add? Who could be a good subject for interview? You know, send us some names uh, that we could do so we could have this 20, 30 minute conversation with a person that you recommend with people that you recommend. And, I'm a company man, of course, so I was trying to figure out ways to keep the bosses happy. That's always what I've done in my career. I've never rocked the boat at all, anywhere that I've worked. So I'm trying to think of people who would be good. And we talked about this here, and I don't know, you have a top five or whatever, or top ten, or I don't know, maybe ten is too much here for West Virginia. Five seems reasonable because there's a lot of players, a lot of personalities. So connected to currently or, or somehow otherwise in the past at WVU Sports. And we agreed two musts right now in the current environment. Probably Shane Lyons, just because he's the head of the oversight committee. He's on the Division One council. Obviously, he's a sitting athletic director. A lot going on. 
in his house, but also his larger house, his neighborhood, so to speak, his gated development, I imagine, is NCAA because of, he's in charge of the council and um, by the committee and he's on the council. So he would have a lot of stories and a lot of answers to significant questions from this time. So that seems like a slam dunk. And speaking of slam dunk, Bob Huggins would also be an obvious one just because I don't think you could contain him to 30 minutes, even though he might have the enthusiasm for about 30 seconds. You just got to get him going. But once you do, boy, he, he's an amazing storyteller. And five minutes turns into an hour with him pretty quickly if you're not careful. Those two were easy, no doubt about it, picks that current or past affiliations to West Virginia. No doubt about those two, right? Yeah, I think there's I, Bob Huggins would have been number one on my list. Um, no matter the time of year or topic or anything else going on in the world. So he would have definitely been on there for me. Shane Lyons, again, I think under normal circumstances, maybe not for me personally, but with all that's going on and his position in, in the world of college sports, uh, he's got to be on there. And then you have some people that we cross off our list, like like Jerry West, for example. Iconic. Everybody knows that. I'm not sure he'd do it. He doesn't do a lot of stuff like that. Um, and my interactions talking with him, he's extremely gracious with his time. And if he gives you his time, He's not going to cut you off. He's not going to. <laughs> he doesn't have a. He doesn't have an, a virtual visit waiting with anybody. <laughs> He's going to talk for as long as you need. But um, a reserved guy who's lived a whole lot of his life in the public eye and kind of enjoys his privacy now. So he'd be awesome. It's not sure he'd do it. And then Oliver Luck right now would be a really interesting one for his own set of reasons. Legally, I'm not sure that he can. Uh, Rob Thorne is a big name. He's going into the Southern Conference Hall of Fame now. He's in all the other Hall of Fames, university, NBA, or basketball, all that stuff. But eh, see that big of a name for the series? Big series, Chris. So I don't know if that one would work, but you kind of get what we're talking about here. There's yeses, there's noes. Who else can we add to this list, Chris? You have one idea. I have some ideas. Yeah. Who's your idea? The very, the very first one I thought of was uh, Pat White and I think for a lot of people, I'm like, yeah, duh, Pat White, you know, one of the, maybe the best player in WVU history and, and 4-0 in the bowl games and everything that happened in the mid-2000s. But I think it's not just that with him. You could talk about so many different things uh, between you know, between his recruitment and his time at WVU and the winning. You got an hour, you got an hour easy. But you could also then talk about uh, today's climate. I know some people don't want to talk about that. Me personally, maybe I don't really either, but the politics of it, but he's involved in that. Uh, he actually had, um, God, well, I can't remember all the details and I really don't want to screw the details up on this one, but um, it's, God, what was that? Fill me in, Mike, with the baseball and something about his race, about being black when he was at WVU, he made a comment about that. And I, yeah, I don't I don't want to screw up the details on this because it's too important. They so, pretty much pretty much accuse the head coach of being racist by yeah, saying that they okay. don't have black people. Yeah. I mean, that's the long and short of it. Yeah. OK, so that's what I was going to say. But I, I'm glad you got to say it. So uh, lawyers, Mike, that was Mike on the line, not Chris. Uh, but I think he would have. So obviously he would have some commentary on that. He would have a lot to discuss about that. And he's coaching at a high level. And. I'd be curious about how he's adapting to that coaching life, what he sees for his future, how he's kind of bounced back and forth between different positions uh, in the coaching profession as well. So I, I think there are there's a lot of ground to cover, and he's kind of shown, uh, for better and worse, on his social media platforms over the years. You know, he's a little tighter now that he's in the coaching profession, but he wasn't afraid to speak his mind before, and I think he would really loosen up and say a lot of stuff that's on his mind right now. So he'd be a great guest. Yeah. Just to, to go back to the Pat White thing, to be fair to that situation, the former baseball coach um, apparently didn't know enough about Pat White as a baseball player or his enthusiasm to play baseball. I think Pat was, he was drafted in high school and was a really good high school baseball player and had said that he was perhaps interested in playing, but that the interest was not reciprocal. And uh, I believe he said that the baseball coach was not too high on having black players on the team that led to about 24 hours of, you know, white coming back from, I believe big 12 media day or excuse me, big East media day and kind of incommunicado and people there who were doing it, you know, didn't really know the situation at WVU. They get a headline like that. It goes crazy. I'm not sure that if I remember correctly, I'm not sure that some of the West Virginia representation there even heard him say that. So 
that was kind of a weird thing, like what happened scrambling. And I believe he apologized the next day too. So um, maybe that's a question. Maybe it's not, but yeah, that's something he's been invested in too for, for some time because um, that was back in what, 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, that's, that would be a good one. And again, that's one of those players that, you know, people this age, you know, your age, my age, we knew we covered, we followed. And then I think there's, there's a strong contingent of like high school players now who know the legend of, but maybe don't know what it was like to watch him play or whatever. And boy, you plug him in the, to today. What would that be like? That'd be pretty wild too. Um, a similar one for me, one of those, Oh guys, you hear that name. And you're going to go, Oh, I remember him. Whether you're a West Virginia fan or not, Kevin Pitsnog will be a fascinating one for me. I don't know why I haven't uh, you know, rung him up or done anything like that and try to see what he's up to or whatever, but it just occurred to me right now that he's not the same as Pat White, but he's also kind of like Pat White, where uh, he kind of delighted a nation for a while because you have this almost seven-footer with tattoos from Martinsburg, West Virginia, who's shooting three-pointers at like a 45% clip and leading the Cinderella team through parts of the Big East and NCAA tournament. Uh, came back, obviously, a senior. He's pretty good that senior year, too. And then um, just kind of vanished, you know, didn't make in the NBA, didn't make it in a long professional career. Um, teaching, still living at home. But what is that guy like so many years later? What's he up to? What stories could he have? And I'm pretty sure Evan Daniels could pull a good interview out of that one. Yeah, I think so. I, You touched on it right before we got on here, especially that it's he kind of missed that social media mark uh, uh, era. And so I think people would be very interested to hear his thoughts. And uh, cause God, could you imagine him like on, so if he had Twitter and was allowed to post on Twitter at that time, uh, like, I don't think he'd say anything bad. I just think, I think he'd be fun as heck. I think he, he'd have all sorts of fun things to say and interesting things to say on social media and, and have a real good time with it. Almost yeah. like a Pat McAfee type. No doubt. Remember, he guaranteed wins during during one year, and like he was out there doing Broadway Joe stuff, and like he was he was fun, man. Like it was again, and just the way he looked and played out there, it didn't match up. You're not supposed to see a guy that big with all those tats and no hook shot, no back to the basket game early in his career, just banging threes like a like a two guard because he had been not long before that, and just driving opposing coaches crazy. That screen the screener thing, where the guy guarding him would just forget. And would chase the guy dashing the basket and leave Fitznagle open. I just remember coaches losing their minds, calling timeouts out of frustration, pulling guys out of games. And you know, he was the he was the devil there, man. He was the one pulling all those strings and making everybody feel so bad. And I'm sure he's got stories to tell that, like you said, he never really got a chance to tell because social media then wasn't what it is now. Heck, it wasn't even really a thing. I don't think there was any Twitter back when he was playing. Um, and boy, his name, image, and likeness opportunities right now would be fantastic. He would have the greatest endorsement deal with wild zero, the tattoo studio in town, I think, but he could sell used cars he could sell something here in Morgantown. He just said like, he was that recognizable, that fun of a guy. And again, his name turned into a verb too, because he just like, like I said, he delighted college basketball fans for two visible seasons there too on TV in postseason play clutch shots, even in games, they lost on buzzer beaters, but he was, he was nails for a long time. And that's one of those guys that think that, even if you were a fan of a team that lost to West Virginia or that never crossed paths with West Virginia during those years, you remember that name and you remember the stories about this six eleven guy shooting threes and you'd be like, I got to see what he's up to. I think that'd be an easy one. I Can I take you down a rabbit hole off this? Kind of yeah, branch please. off of this, off of what you were just talking about, the name, in, image, and likeness and, and what he could do and how it pertains to West Virginia. Maybe you saw this post on our board the other day, but somebody linked to it from Ath- Athletic Director U. And it was talking about the athletes that are considered the most valuable for endorsement revenue for this guy. And it comes from, uh, from, from endorsements from social media, how they do different things. And all sports, all colleges, all across the country, two West Virginia Mountaineers are in the top 12. Can you name either of them? McCabe would be one, right? Nope. Not You're kidding close. me. No. Jordan McCabe is not one of them? Nope. Boy, I think that he would be worth a ton of money there um, just because of his his platform and things like that. I'm, I'm certain the other one is Erica Fontaine, the gymnast. There you go. Number five on the list. Okay. And yeah, they are. I've written about her, so that's not surprising at all. 
That's what I, I was going to get to. You you wrote that story about how she kind of just missed out on that, missed out on her time to really um, capitalize on her collegiate career too as well because of the coronavirus pandemic, canceled the spring seasons. Uh, she comes in at number five with an estimated endorsement potential of $342,000. I mean, she's getting paid five figures to wear clothes now, just like with the brand on it. So that doesn't yeah. surprise me at all. And then she had done the same thing in college. I don't know, but her social media following is immense. So is her teammate, Chloe. There you go. There's Chloe. your other one. Oh, really? Yeah, number 12. Chloe, I don't know how to pronounce it. Clutchy? Clut- yeah, I think so. Uh, 148000 at number 12. Wow. And what, uh, what is that? So out of the top 12, you know, West Virginia's got two of them. And one, two, three, four, five of the top 12 are women's gymnastics. Olympic sports athletes are going to have the chance to do that, I think, just because um, endorsements for them are a little bit different, too. Very niche sometimes, too, where you can fit, fit them in. What would you think about McCabe? I'm surprised that he's not in the conversation at all. Top 12 seems ambitious, but... His personality, his connections, like that, that dude's connected. He knows a lot of guys in a lot of places in this country from AAU and other experiences. He's starting a podcast right now. Um, he, I just think, I mean, his his viral mixtapes and everything, it just seems like there's a lot of potential there. He has a huge social media following. And for a long time now, too. We're talking back yeah. to the, with the Ellen days, right? Right. When he's, what, eight, nine years old and doing dribbling things on Ellen and at the Globetrotters and all that stuff. You're right. He's got a lot of, he's almost like a multimedia personality and, and can do a lot of different things. But I I wonder what is the niche? You talked about how the, the gymnasts are going to make a lot of money because, uh, you know, Erica Fontaine, you said he's getting paid five figures for just wearing certain items. I mean, is anybody going to pay Jordan McCabe to wear, you know, Nike shorts or Reebok or whatever, anything Good like point. that? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what he would endorse specifically to to get that money but i think he could be everywhere because he's got the personality and the versatility to do it yeah fontaine's thing is different because it's not that gymnastics equipment is so narrow and that there's such a large market for it it's the fact that she has figured out that she has the look the charisma the presentation of a model and has a platform on instagram to really develop it too she's 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 played the game perfectly, too. McKay would have a harder time. You're right. Um, I'm not sure that, like, Calvin Klein is knocking on his door saying, put these briefs on and send me some pictures. But I guess I don't know maybe the, the limits to which you can do this stuff. Like, could he have a podcast and sell ads on it? I don't know. Um, could he I, – I, that's one thing, I guess. What is, what is his earning potential? That's a good question because I don't know what the limitations are on that, like what he will and won't be allowed to do. I imagine he can't have a sponsorship for a podcast. That might be a bit too much, but – then again, there's probably ways around this too, and I don't. I don't think he's a lost cause. I think he's he'll be fine. I'm pretty sure he'll be fine. Well, I just found it interesting this list, and I don't know how you know, I don't know how much research went into this list or, or anything like that. What exactly they're looking at, but out of the top twelve, seven of them are women, uh, five gymnasts, and two women's basketball players. Uh, only two men's basketball players, and only three football players out of the whole top twelve. Who? Where does the top football player rank? Number four. Number Can you four. Guess? Boy, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, like, I don't. I guess it'd be Trevor Lawrence, but that's probably yeah, not. There you go. Is that's it really it. okay? Yeah, number four. Okay. And all all three football players play the same position, so three quarterbacks. Justin Fields. Yeah, number eight. Okay. Um, hmm. Lawrence Fields. Another football player, another quarterback. SEC. I could not think of it. Jake Fromm from Georgia. Oh God, really? Probably not <laughs> anymore, though, huh? Yeah, as I say, I don't know about all that, but we can stand on that. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I, it's a lot to take from this. I don't know. Again, how true will this end up being? I I'm surprised somewhat by it. I'm I'm not familiar with the gymnasts, other than Eric. The, you know, the two from WVU. Uh, so I don't know how big of a social media following they are, what else they're into, uh, where else they can get their endorsements from. But I, I find it interesting that there's that there's seven women on there that are going in the top 12. And, you know, it's good because uh, obviously football and basketball for men 
you're going to have more opportunities after college to make money. Um, but maybe this is something that helps with the um, Olympic sports at the college level and, and for women's sports to make more money that they might not make later. Where is Sabrina Ionescu, the superstar basketball player? from Number Oregon? number nine. Really? Okay. That makes some sense. Um, I'm trying to think here. Who's the top basketball player? Cole Anthony from UNC, number one. Number one he, overall. Is he really? Yeah, according to this list. And then, like, what's – are we talking all – Football, basketball, men's basketball, women's basketball, gymnastics. Like, what's what's a weird sport? Let's see. I'm gonna softball. We got Haley Cruz, Oregon softball, number thirteen. Uh, Alexis um, Letty Let Leet from what is that? Is that George Washington for volley women's volleyball? Mm. Yeah, as I say, you, once you got for for men, it's it's basketball and football. Pretty much all the way through. And number 25, Casey Martin for baseball. But the women, volleyball, softball, gymnastics, basketball, track and field, tennis. Track and field. That makes sense. Tennis. Who's tennis? Clara, Clara Marcella from Cleveland State. Cleveland State. State. Yeah. People yeah. Biking. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I actually know that name from Cleveland. Okay, cool. She's not from Cleveland. I know she plays tennis up there. Okay. Uh, yeah, interesting. I'll have to go check that out. because, Well, actually, you probably just read to me the whole article by now. <laughs> so, uh, hey, uh, one last thing to wrap up here and get out because um, it was the hottest thing on our board this week. Um, and who knew it was going to happen? But 24-7 Sports uses its poll of national reporters to come up with a, a top 25 for the preseason in college football. I would say no surprises there. Oklahoma comfortably in the top 10 texas was before oklahoma state and then outside the top 25 you had tcu and iowa state and then the rest of the league is outside the um receiving votes category so to speak so five three in two close five out not a terribly big surprise there i think a lot of people are gonna predict along those lines i would personally probably have oklahoma state higher than texas but whatever we can figure that out in the field the big deal, though, was the identity of the number nine team as it relates to <laughs> our coverage area. Um, number 10, not Kansas, not West Virginia, but Texas Tech. Number nine, not Kansas, but West Virginia. And people took this swimmingly, did they not? They did. I mean, if you'd like to voice your opinion, Mike, on Oklahoma State, feel free to join join the, uh, the fray over on Facebook because uh... – it's got heated over there. We've had to delete some comments that got a little, little too far. <laughs> uh, the message board has been been jumping with responses to it as well. Um, who knew? Who knew? I uh, like you said, it came from our national team. They put it together. We just kind of linked it out there, and then boom. Uh, okay. I, I, How many times are we going to do this with Texas? I don't know. Forever. It's never going to stop, I don't think. Like, am I, am I crazy here? Like, I don't have a problem with Oklahoma. I think that we're crossing our fingers on Spencer Rattler, but he's got all the bona fides, so I'm okay with that. And then certainly that program has earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that quarterback position. Okay. Um, I believe they were number seven, but Texas was 13 or tied for 13 with Auburn, I believe. And then Oklahoma State's next, but Oklahoma State's loaded. And they're top ten, I think, in the in our our uh, categorization for like returning talent or returning productivity. Texas is barely in the top twenty five. I want to say now, granted, Texas may be able to make up that gap by having true freshman talent that can contribute. But boy, you're asking for a lot of that. I don't know where Oklahoma State's weakness is really. Um, maybe on the sideline, personally, if you ask me. But like mm. that offense is going to be really good. That defense should be better than it was last year. I, I just like that team. Um, but, man, it's every year Texas gets that benefit out. I know that's probably a little bit tried and true, but oh well. But uh, let's get to the bottom of the poll, though. 10, 9, 8. Um, boy, I don't think I'd have West Virginia number 9. I'm not sure I'd even have number 8. Um, Texas Tech's going to be probably bad for a little bit because they're just so dramatically redesigning the place. Kansas State lost 
a ton of stuff from a team that wasn't very good, and they're kind of doing a similar makeover. I think where their new coach wants to be is closer to where they were than the situation of Texas Tech. I think he wants to be a lot different than the situation of the roster he encountered, but I can see that being 10 and 9 very easy. Um, are we sh- are, I just, I don't, I don't buy the less mile stuff yet. It's a nice story. And then, you know, you don't get points for almost winning games for playing hard. You got to win them. They didn't, can they get over the hump? Have they recruited well enough? Maybe I, I put them at seven. So I, I think, man, the ceiling for me, excuse me, at eight, the ceiling for me is, is not the top four for West Virginia, but the floor is not eight, not 10 either. I have a hard time if I'm ranking them now and I've been sat down and tried to do this. I'd have a hard time putting them worse than number seven right now. Yeah, I think if West Virginia finishes ninth in the Big 12 this year, that's um, going to be stumbling back down the mountain a little bit on this climb because uh, – Ooh. You like that? No, I, I think I, I'm with you. I, 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 you put me on a spot and just tell me what I know right now without having to go into too much research and sitting down and going over it more than you know I already have just over the course of covering stuff and, and doing what we normally do. I think seventh is, is probably where I put them. Again, we're not talking like third or fourth. We're not some crazy homer here. Just saying, I don't know about ninth. I'm not – Kansas, for me, they got to do it before I believe it. That's just one of those things where I'm not believing it till I see it. And so they are they are tenth for me. Again, I think Texas Tech is ninth. And then you kind of get in that mix of three other teams of Kansas State, Baylor, and WVU – uh, in my book, and you could talk me into West Virginia at eighth. I, I still think it'll be better than that, maybe seventh. I, I, I think there's going to be more turmoil in in Waco with that coaching change than, than people mm-hmm. let on. I mean, I know they have some talent. I got that. But they lost some players. They lost their whole coaching staff. And, and that was a good, a real good coaching staff. Like, that's they didn't lose, like, a mediocre coach and get another mediocre coach. They lost mm-hmm. – a really good coach. Uh, so I think they might stumble a little bit too. Um, but man, ninth is, 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 is going to be hard to swallow if that happens. I think a lot of these projections go on recruiting rankings, which naturally that's, that's our cup of tea. I get that. So TCU's recruited really well. Nothing about them tells me they're close to a top 25 team. They've had some rough seasons here in a row and haven't been able to retain or maximize otherwise their talented recruits. Iowa State, I don't want to say that the, that the momentum stopped there, but they were really built on defense and some of their cogs are gone. So I guess my point is here, what you mentioned about Baylor, what I've just mentioned about TCU and Iowa state, I don't think there's a, a huge gap between TCU, Iowa state, West Virginia, Baylor. You could put any one of those at four and any one of those at seven. I wouldn't be surprised. So really yeah. it's, it's, I think, I think the season, the season for West Virginia then might be, Hey, do you have to go two and one? against that Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State. If you're going to make a move, yeah, you got to get two of those. One, I don't know if that's going to do it, but those four schools that we – of the three schools we just mentioned, TCU, Iowa State, Baylor, boy, if you can win two of those or three of those, one, it's not out of the question, and two, that that's a huge part of making a separation in the conference from those eight, nine, ten spots. If they can get three of those or even two of those, you're going to start stepping over people and start moving up the conference standings. I'm still speechless from from your just just out of nowhere pot shot at, at Mike Gundy, man. If you're going to take a shot at the mullet, you best not miss, Mike. Just, just a little piece of advice because he is a man, and he is 50, 52 now. Let's talk about his, uh, his biggest wins. <laughs> we have five seconds, right? Yeah, go for it. Are and that's done? a list. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> It just seems like that team is always geared up for a big one, and it's it, they've been not great at home. And it seems like when they have a chance to really put a punctuation mark on the story up to that point in the season to legitimize things, they know this is for real. It doesn't happen. They lose home games. Um, they've had some turnover, too, on their coaching staff for the past couple of years. Now, it used to be a fairly steady place, but you know, a lot of revolving doors and key spots you know, kind of reluctantly changed on defense, and that's been okay. But, you know, offensive guys moving along. A part of it is that I, I do think that I'll give him credit. Um, he's got a good system in place offensively and that you come in and you run it. And then if that means you're wanted somewhere else, hey, that's not their fault. But 
sometimes you want guys to stay too. And if I think if that's a team or a program that's going to become a destination for people, you got to keep those assistants and those coordinators in their positions and, and move them up before you move them out. That's that's been hard too. But it just seems like there's a, there's a disappointing moment for that team every year when talent's pretty good, especially offensively. Um, they have some recruiting restrictions there because that makes it just difficult. Oklahoma's it's a tough place to recruit to because you're not getting a lot of talent from the state. Uh, there's more high school football in Iowa than there is in Oklahoma. Think about that. And your border states are well, like Texas. Everybody's going into Texas, so you can't really depend on getting the best players out of Texas, especially when Oklahoma's in your border, too. It's hard. But I, I don't get it with them. But I do think this team is loaded, and they should be they should be pushing for they should be pushing for a Big 12 championship, right? I mean, why I else so. are these guys coming back? Yeah, I mean, the the Hubbard returning thing just stunned me. But w- with him back and the other weapons they have, I mean, that, I think that's the common factor with that the Oklahoma State and the TCU picks. Uh, why so many people are kind of high on them, that everybody's kind of expecting this big jump from their freshman quarterbacks, or soon-to-be sophomore quarterbacks, and Dugan and um, Sanders. And... Yeah, that happens uh, sometimes, but they also have a sophomore slump uh, sometimes. So I think you're kind of rolling the dice on which one that's going to be. Me, yeah, I'm leaning more towards I think both of them are going to be better than they were last year, but it, it's no guarantee. And they obviously had a lot of flaws last year. I mean, Sanders turned the ball over as much as anybody in the entire country. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dugan struggled to actually throw the ball for most of the year. He, he was always a kind of a threat with his legs. So they're not, you know, two perfect five-star players that are just getting their feet wet. They are unfinished projects that still need to develop more parts of their game. And I, I think people might be jumping the gun on this a little bit with predicting them to just make this huge leap. And all of a sudden these, both of these teams are top 10, top 15. They are at Oklahoma and home against Texas. Texas game is the last game of the regular season. Um, I, but the one that gets my attention is their first Big 12 game is TCU. And they've they've been about a 50-50 team with TCU since TCU joined the conference. Uh, in fact, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five. Five wins and three losses for TCU since, um, since coming over. So that's been a tough one for them. Patterson's had their number a little bit, if I'm reading that correctly. Two, three. Actually, the way around. Oklahoma State's five and three. All right, we should stop. we should stop winging it. We should get out of here. <laughs> you get back and and you start pulling up your your Robin Hood app or whatever it is you're trading on, and, and go make some money. I need to. It's been a rough week. <laughs> and right. that's not good news. I just saw. So we're gonna get out of here. Uh, thanks, Chris. That's yeah. all for this time. We will see you next time for EarSports.com. I'm Mike Asazi, and I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.